Wednesday. Halloween. October 31st. We live in a scary, scary, spooky world. Learned can't say spooky anymore. Not appropriate. Comes from a racial history. Yes. I didn't I didn't realize that the two were connected whatsoever. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Hey man. Can't be too careful in these times. Am I wrong? Yeah, everybody else just yelling at each other, figuring, you know, just the crazy stuff that's happening in the news, the naturalization birth, the saying that trans people aren't people. Oh no, they couldn't possibly make decisions for themselves. And, Oh, right? Am I right? Uh, a few things we're going to talk about today. Uh, the 60-minute the Trump thing, I just recently realized all that happened. So those of you who are caught up in the news, th- it'll make sense to you today. Uh, I also picked up a street sheet here from San Francisco. We're going to talk about Proposition C, why we should vote yes on C next week. Who's voting? I'm voting. I always vote, though. Does our vote matter? I, you know, in a local elections, our vote really, 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 really does matter. Um, so please vote yes on C, and let's tackle the homeless crisis here in San Francisco. That last week we yelled about when that horrible person wrote, Oh, San Francisco used to be so beautiful, and now it smells like urine. Yeah, it's true. It does. There's poop. It smells like urine. It's pretty, I mean, on my walk here, I walked by many, many questionably housed people uh, with tents and all of their accoutrement, and that's where they live. So I can't wait. LaToya is here. She's on time. She's running to get us coffee because she's an angel, an angel, and I'm going to tell her how insensitive I was as a child growing up in Danville. We'll get to that later on in the AltaCast program. It is high noon. I hope that you've smoked a little, toked a little delicious green. There she is. She's got the coffee. That was fast. That was like, she was gone two minutes. That was crazy. Uh, So I was saying how insensitive I was as a child growing up in Danville. One year when I was in high school too, this is how insensitive I was. In high school, I dressed up as a homeless person in Danville. We went trick-or-treating. My good friend, now now doctor, she used to be uh, Katie Rowe, that was her name back then. But uh, one year we dressed up as homeless people. Another year we dressed up as hookers. Oh yeah, yeah we dressed up as hookers. Sophomores, juniors in high school. Now the question is, why are you know 15-year-old girls still, um, why are, why are uh, 15-year-old girls still going out trick-or-treating? And the answer to that is to get free candy from people because I love free things and I love candy. I do. I've always loved candy. I, I'm Candy is the best. We're going to... I forgot to bring the thing. I have this thing at home that's like... It's like a thing that you twist it into, like a stand. Yeah. Will it stand? Hey, people. It's standing. It's standing, sort of. Hey, that's. We have to here. Look, here's. We've got um, tools. Uh, that's what separates us from the beasts: our ability to use tools. All right, there it is. Here, I'll move over. 
Uh, so I am dressed as Sexy Jake. My boss's name is Jake. He always wears um, long camo pants and uh, big black socks with clogs. I think I've you got look hot. <laughs> I've got so I wore a, a, he always wears metal shirts so I wore a sexy metal shirt and I'm going to wear this hat backward. He also has braids and big earrings. Uh, and I put I made a shark's tattoo cuz he loves the sharks. You can see <laughs> that. And uh, he has a pug so there's a pug tattoo. Uh, hard to tell here. Walking down the street people thought I probably thought I just had shitty shitty tattoos. But uh, <laughs> no. It's a Halloween costume you guys. I actually like it. Thank I you. like it a lot. I, I like the fact I don't I don't think I've seen you in shorts like that before. What? Oh, oh yeah, no. I don't show my legs. I don't she do don't that. Show her I legs. don't I don't show my legs to people. That's not a thing I do. Uh, I dressed up this weekend at work. I was uh, '90s hip hop. I still had my. Uh, how fun! I was uh, I had my first cell phone that I got uh, from like 1998, uh, 99. I also had my Rolodex that I, yep, and I found my old passwords to my old, uh, when I was in high school, like my Yahoo, like like who has a Yahoo password still, Um, and, uh, excuse me, and uh, I had my lunchbox, because that was the style back in the mid-90s to carry a lunchbox, Um, especially when you're not a kid, you're uh, adolescent, so I still had that. Well, so, yeah, very nice. Yeah, I uh, might dress up at work today. I might. I'm going for decades. I'm just keeping it simple, so I might simple. be 80s. Last night, I got the opportunity to perform at Cobb's, and I dressed as. Um, I said to people, "Oh, I'm. I was your." preschool teacher in 1997 I was dressed <laughs> I was dressed in like really 90s clothes that just made no sense and I was That's like okay awesome. here's what I'm wearing I'm your, I'm your preschool teacher and people were like I was in preschool in 97 and I'm like Ooh. fuck you so that means he was like born like 92, 93 yeah these are just children uh, that I do Christ. that I perform comedy with but uh, I got to be at Cobb's last night which is a lot of fun they have an open mic once a month and they sort of rigged it so that I could go up so Yay. thanks Wendy thank you really appreciate that well I have something to tell you okay I started improv classes. Oh shit! Where at End Games? Yep, they're great. Yeah, yeah. I started there. there. It's not like I don't know how to do it. I just figured that it's better than therapy. Yeah, and you'll meet people. Yeah, and that too. I I need to get back. I haven't did any comedy or anything in eight months. I've been counting. That's a long time. I think that's why I've been kind of down in the dumps. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I know that podcast doesn't count. I mean, it does. It does. It does. I I I do like. I love being here. Yeah, good. But I need. I need to. Yeah, you need to stage time with the people. Yeah. So. I mm-hmm. came out of the closet this morning and realized that two weeks ago there was an interview on 60 Minutes with the president. I didn't even know about that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Where he's like fucking unhinged. So, um, Lovely stall. And then this week he's trying to change the constitution for naturalized birth. Now, the interesting thing is I found on the internet box um, him talking in 2015 about the same issue, saying that people who are born here aren't so he was being racist even back in 2015 so we're gonna watch some of those videos and listen to those today uh also people making fun of interviewing him both um (laughs) john oliver and leslie Stahl herself um so a couple videos today that's exciting i thought we could talk about what's happening with the yes on c that people should vote for yeah that's i've been reading up about that because next week voting we gotta vote yeah we gotta vote and 
Proposition C won't affect you and me. It'll only affect really big businesses. So you have to make more than $50 million a year in order to get that 0.5% tax. And it's 0.05 or 0.5. I'm trying to remember. Um, You have to make $50 million million a year or more. And I don't think that that's terrible. I think that's, and it's 0.5%. So it's half a percent uh, tax. This is, I think this is what I was talking about last week. Like a lot of the CEOs, especially the one from Twatter, mm. was against it. Yeah, but of they are. Yeah, but the CEO of Salesforce is for it. Good. Well, so, the, if they're making this much money in there, yeah, the they have to take care of the problem. Exactly. They it have, affects they them. Have to. It absolutely affects them. And especially with all of these, like, and I understand tourism wise here in San Francisco, people don't like to come from Oklahoma and or Europe. Deal, they can't deal with this shit. It's they nasty. literally can't. I mean, we seem to be able to, we're like, eh, we can get used to anything. But it's embarrassing. It's, it can be embarrassing, sure. People are like, your city smells like shit. And it's like, well, you know, certain parts. Yeah, you try to explain yourself. <laughs> or vomit. That was the thing. <laughs> I was walking on Monday somewhere, uh, I was on Cap Street. And there was so much vomit on Cap Street. I couldn't believe how much vomit on Cap Street there was. Someone had tried to put it in bags and then a bag had spilled. I was like, whoa, Halloween has been rough to this neighborhood. So I guess everybody took one block off mission and puked over there. Hey, kids, uh, you know, spend money at your local bar, but don't go, don't go bananas. Yeah, don't, don't go broke. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, So you sent me a thing. My ex-boyfriend who lives in Cleveland is trying to get all the tickets so people won't show up. Let's sabotage this rally. It's a... It's a Trump rally. It's a Trump rally in Cleveland. So I have to give kudos to Benjamin Tozier, my ex-boyfriend. We, he sent me this yesterday, and so it they're having a Trump rally um, in Cleveland, Ohio. Which don't nobody in Cleveland like him? I don't know. Do they? No, they don't. Okay, now, good. now maybe the suburbs and like the country folks outside of Cleveland, but in the city, in the heart of Cleveland, don't nobody like his ass in Cleveland. So, right. You know, it's funny. <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought that Cleveland was in Detroit because of the Huey Lewis. Lewis song. of the news. Yeah, I was that. like, the the harder rock and roll is to beat in, and for what I see, I believe it. It's and then he'd say, still beating, yeah, in Cleveland, <laughs> Detroit, how to rock Well, he, he was giving bigs up to like Detroit and Cleveland what? because that's Cleveland actually, yeah, that's where the old school DJs and rock and roll, actually the word rock and roll comes from Cleveland. Is that where the and that's rock and roll Hall of Fame is? Yeah. Well, thanks, Huey Lewis and the news. because For com- in the, confusing folks. Yeah, in the early 80s, I thought that Cleveland was in Detroit, which makes me dumb. Why keep doing this? So you guys can register uh, for Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we could set it up. How many tickets would you like to volunteer? I want to know how much it costs. There's no cost. It's free. It's free. So should we should we register for things and not show up? Yes, that is exactly what we're supposed to do. Because then we take all the tickets. Yeah. And it's for Monday, November 5th. Yeah. And the thing is, I've already done six. You may only register up to two tickets per mobile number per event. All tickets are first come, first serve basis. All right. Well, let's do it. I'll I'll do one, but I'm afraid that then they're going to start contacting me. I mean, they're not going to. You know, here's you. the thing, though. 
<laughs> oh, I can't. I don't feel comfortable saying it on the radio, but almost because you know it's like death threats to the president are illegal. Yeah, you, um, you I mean we that. can, but we can say that we hope he commits suicide. I guess we can say we can <laughs> hope that. So, I mean, <laughs> is he not? Is he not scared of assassination attempts, or or does that only help? He has an ego. He's a narcissist. He doesn't think about shit like that. Do you think so? No. I mean, after last week, we had the, the, With the bombs. bombs. We yeah. had the bombs, which was by his people. First of all, you liberals. You think so? Uh, okay, here's the thing. Here's one thing I will say about liberals. We don't go, we're not as gun cuckoo crazy compared to the right. Now, we do have some cuckoo people crazy. on the fringe. But it's a small number compared to those fucking Republicans. I mean, okay, so you had the bomb, the dude, the, the crazy bomb? dude, that crazy white dude. Yeah, crazy white dude. Crazy and then you had the guy in uh, Kentucky that shot up uh, two people outside that Kroger, who was a white supremacist. Oof. And then you had uh, the the, the shooting, synagogue. The synagogue. Oh my god. And that's the worst terrorist act of, of Jewish people on American soil. That's I heard insane. in modern time. So, and that was a white supremacist who was he was um he i'm not gonna say he wasn't a fan of trump but he said that he trump didn't do didn't go as hard enough on immigration and you know his rhetoric but what does a bris have anything to do with i mean i guess if you're a white supremacist but jews are white but you can't white supremacists aren't smart i don't i just don't get it because they don't believe in jesus that's why Uh, but you know and i guess maybe it's because some jews have jew froze i don't know i don't get it so i mean and then i read today that instagram is becoming a bastion for anti-semitic yeah remarks there's all these hashtags that are like really anti-semitic um that are being retweeted and so mm-hmm. i i really think that this sort of freedom for people to come out and say have hate speech that's right hate now speech. it's but i feel like it's being propagated by our president i feel like this it is, is a trickle down issue there you go. from the very top it's when he acts unpresidential and says unpresidential things and tweets terrible things about people and says that Mexicans are all rapists and some of them are good people. When he says these things it's that rhetoric. gives yeah. it's, and it gives people who are nut job white supremacists the freedom to go oh yeah this is great this is the perfect time to go kill a bunch of Jews and then this like, is like what right, exactly and so this is what we colored people have been trying to tell y'all for many of decades like these people are crazy do not vote for these people do and and the thing is unfortunately I hate the fact that it takes bodies for people some people to realize that oh my god this is in our backyard yes well there's that's the thing though too there's a lot of bodies around right now that we're not i don't know we're numb to it there's the opiate crisis and all the people overdosing from um fentanyl carfentanyl it being put into all these drugs there's that whole issue where there's bodies lots and lots of bodies yeah there's the immigration issue where there's people isis coming in and taking bodies and putting them in places there's the mass incarceration issue and there's just bodies everywhere there's the homelessness issue where there's literally bodies laying on the ground in san francisco i mean i walked over i can't tell you how many people i stepped over just to get here i feel like we're in fucking india no offense to india or whatever but you know they have a big homelessness issue too right a lot of people living on the streets and we are just forgiving it we're like oh well and there's even a quote in here about well the homeless population has been stabilized to seven thousand for the past 10 years for the past decade oh like oh, that's a good thing. well yeah we're just keeping seven thousand people unhoused because we're just used to it now we're like 
Well, there's always seven thousand. Oh, so fuck it. Oh, there's you know whatever. These are old people. Okay, so this was a thing. This is a terrible thing. This is a human rights violation. This happened in Santa Rosa to the homeless population. Uh-oh. And these are first-hand accounts of what happened when the city of Santa, Santa Rosa has been really aggressive on homelessness. And especially after the fires, there's lots and lots of people that are... But, okay, so um, this happened... The city of Santa Rosa's aggressive cleaning of homeless camp off corporate center parkway continues the very human and civil rights abuses the commission decried. According to signed declarations from those affected in a major sweep, uh, the Santa Rosa police carried out the following. Mm-mm. Okay, what? I took my stuff away as I could get to my ex's storage unit he was letting me use like they'd told us earlier. My partner was very sick with the flu, but he tried to help. We came back to nothing. Even though our friend had been there to guard our stuff, there were piles of trash around the police left alone, but they took our neat piles that were obviously being moved. We lost all our clothes, shoes, coats, phone chargers and cords, speakers, two laptops, paper, and all our pet food and gear, all our blankets and our tent. Uh, They ripped my mother's tent and dragged it and everything across the street. And all her things came out and were left in the street. Now I feel really, really lost. We had been gathering and taking things away that were left in loads in this truck. I had to go to the bathroom, so I went to Food Max about half a mile away. Portable toilets are forbidden by the city in the area. When I returned, my tent was gone and all my things were all over the street. A lot of people lost all their belongings. Another first-hand account they really enjoyed doing that to us you could tell i've never seen such brutal cruelty such hateful cops in my whole life you stand there nearby and laugh you think it's so funny see this one i'm like popo i mean is that crazy this one's really really sad yesterday i was getting ready for work that started at 10 p.m quickly cleaning myself with a little dove and water i was arrested for polluting by i believe katati police officer coots my fiance tried to film it her phone was taken away and she protested so they arrested her for interfering they took away our phones but put them in our van instead of bringing them to jail and laughed about it they had the van towed for registration I had just gotten my paycheck today. We needed less than $200. We were so close. Dirty cops. But that's, but this is like. Those are white supremacist cops. And this is, this is California and this is Bay Area. And this this is is what we're, and this isn't, this isn't like what's happening in, this didn't happen in San Francisco, but this is Sonoma County, which is so close. And how we treat, it's just how we treat the bodies, humans, they're Americans. And we're supposed to, I don't know. You know, the be fa- cool to each other. I life, well, liberty, and the pursuit know, of happiness. These like, people, these people may be—they're working poor because he has a paycheck, mm-hmm. and what that paycheck is doing, he's saving that money for a home. Well, they well they and towed the van. They though. towed the van, the place that they're living in, right, so they for get, registration, and then they were two hundred dollars away, and that sucks. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, you have now these people pay their taxes, obviously. Yeah. So that means those cops who are laughing. They pay their salary. Yeah. And they're taking away people's... So they lived in their van. Yeah, their registration was a little late, but I mean, seriously? I mean, can we give... When people are are infirmed or down, what does our society do now? Like, we're supposed to be Americans. We're supposed to bring people up. We're supposed to be this place of, you know... We I don't know. We're we hold... selfishness, and we've it always is been now. that way. I don't know. I think, I think... I, we've always been that way. But the fact of the matter, it's like now. It's just like, well, it's just, it's not. It's 
It has nothing to do with me, so fuck it. Here's something you can do in San Francisco tomorrow, November 1st. No Monster in the Mission. First public hearing in the Mission. It's at Mission High School on 3750 18th Street from 3 to 6 p.m. That's a long meter. The Planning Commission is coming to the Mission for the first time, and they want to hear how we feel about the monster. So let's let them know that we want 100% community-designed and controlled affordable housing, not luxury towers. So there's a luxury tower that's trying to come to the Mission. Where the fuck? You, you mean it's on the corner the right there? It's, it's happening, and they want to put it in <sighs> here in the mission. Of okay. course they do. There's so well, there's another one they're th- building right now. Yeah, right there. Sorry. Yeah, the th- yeah the one on uh, was that twenty first, right by the nineteenth, uh, right between nineteenth and eighteenth, right by the. What you would call it, the Skechers store, right? Yeah. Oh, that that's the other one. I was talking about the one they're building right here on Bryant between 18th and 19th. What the fuck, really? But yeah, next to the Skechers store, there's an empty plot right now because right. they because there was, I, I think, arson and they burned it down. They burned that down. And um, used to have an El Pollo logo. Yeah, uh, And that. then it's burned down, so they want to build that's a tower. And so we need to say... No way, dudes. Like, you you, if you want to build housing there. You don't need a fucking tower. I'm so tired of... Unless it's 100% affordable housing for families and people that live in the mission whose houses were burned. That's true. But do we need a... Why can't... Why do we need a tower? Why can't it be six flights? Why can't it be... Sure, yeah. I mean, mean, six stories, seven stories. I guess that's still a tower. But uh, there should be... Wouldn't it be nice to build... uh, To give have a hundred homes that were affordable that people could put lots in that you, you oh uh, we make less than seventy five thousand dollars a year therefore we're like there poor in this city yeah we should Teach be your able salary right exactly <laughs> wouldn't that be amazing if there was a building that was the the city created and funded and it was for all the educators that live in our city that would be amazing that's something like a t- uh, like a i know this sounds like very like a utopian kind of like idea but like you know for people who make 75 g's and under you know those are that's even including working poor yeah those are just people who are like i can't afford to live here yeah can i find a place where i'm not squatting or living in a bunk or three when you're yeah when you're an adult and you're a teacher and you have to have five roommates fuck that that's Mm -hmm. insane uh so this is what uh the home this is the in late september kate Katie Tang, incumbent District 4 supervisor, and Jim Lazarus, senior vice president of the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce, held a press conference outside City Hall urging voters to vote no on Proposition C. Supervisor Tang told the press that the homeless population has been stabilized at roughly 7,000 people for the last decade. Tang also said that she wants an analysis of Prop C from the office of the controller before considering a yes vote. First, Tang's insistence that the homeless population has been quote-unquote stabilized should be sufficient, sufficient to understand her lack of commitment to ending the homelessness crisis in our city. Talking yeah. about the stable population of homeless folks She paints a relatively rosy visage of what is actually a crisis in San Francisco in which homeless residents face a thousand person wait list for a 90 day shelter bed in addition to criminalization while living on the streets and in encampments like I just talked about in Santa Rosa. Uh, although it is true the population of homeless folks has been consistently at 7,000 for over a decade, it should never be the government's goal to stabilize the number of people living on the streets. Are you- they should strive to end this disaster. 
Okay, so who is lying in her pockets? Yeah, exactly. Someone is lying in her pockets. Sure, it's gotta be. She, or the bitch don't live here in the city. You know, someone is paying this broad. Lazarus focused more on the economic impact of Prop C. Lazarus stated that Prop C would have a significant impact on jobs and businesses in San Francisco. Oh, 0.5% of my $50 million is going to hurt so That's false. Much. That's it's false. Actually, if she would control the homelessness and basically controlling the homelessness helps the economy here yeah. with tourism. Like I told you yeah. a, a, about a month ago, some of the conferences have bailed out of here yeah. because of the homeless problem. Sure. So that's help. That's not helping the economy. Yeah, because Susan and her sweater set from. Uh, Cleveland are scared when they come here and they see all the needles on the ground. And the poop. I'm scared of that shit. It's terrible. Uh, Susan, it, I don't think it's. I don't think that 0.5 percent tax on 50 million or above is going to hurt. It's not. It's 0.5. 0.5 of people that are making over 50 million dollars. When people here are surviving on not you can give a little you we're fucking in, greedy we're in, fucks we're in like the tech capital of the world so we have uber and twatter <laughs> and and salesforce and oracle and all those places and here they're in not the, gonna move jobs out of san francisco no i don't think they are he says that they are he's that's crazy. scare tactic she she's got her pockets lined with some of these companies yeah total job laws blah blah blah, blah. uh so the, the the domestic product loss incurred by Prop C would only result in an average loss of 0.1% of jobs and 0.1% of San Francisco's GDP over a period of 20 years. So by taking the amazing profits that you tech companies are getting in our city and just taxing you a tiny bit, half a percent, I don't know, to save and help people, like, you, I just can't understand how greedy... I mean, I guess we just have to... F- Corporations are people, but, and they are greedy. But, I mean, the thing, it doesn't make sense for them to vote no, because it's going to hurt them economically. Yeah, it's going to hurt them. It, it just it doesn't make sense. It, it's, it is. It totally makes sense greedy. for the people that want it, people that have money that want to keep their money. But, okay, it. so, but the thing is, like, okay, so tourism, and then when they invite people over from different countries or what have you, and have these conferences, do you think they're going to want to have these conferences here after no. seeing how this city looks of course not because it's gross no exactly uh this is the 10 point plan funded by the top one percent largest corporations by a small tax on revenue earned over 50 million per year will not impact small businesses or homeowners provides intensive mental health care and drug addiction services for over 4,000 severely impaired individuals Moves more than 4,000 households, including seniors, women, youth, and families with children off the streets and into supportive and affordable homes. Expands shelters to give the 1,000 people on wait lists each night a place to sleep off the street. Prevents additional homelessness, protecting 7,000 San Francisco households from losing their homes through rental assistance. Places mobile bathrooms and sanitation centers across the city to allow people to relieve themselves in dignified and sanitary way. Expands navigation centers, one of the most effective proven approaches to bringing people off the streets and into care. Brings back the clean, healthy streets that San Franciscans deserve. Requires an oversight committee comprised of experts who will review and report regularly on results generated by this strategic plan. It's going to create some jobs. Has broad support from the community, including House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi, San Francisco Teachers, SPUR, Mental Health Association of San Francisco, San Francisco Democratic Party, and the Coalition of San Francisco Neighborhoods. So 
Sounds a little bit realistic to me. Yeah, say no, say yes to Prop C and say no to greedy fucks. So it's not even that the 50 million gets taxed by the 5.5%. It's after you make $50 million. So if you're a company in San Francisco. Which there's plenty. Yeah, and you're making a million dollars. It doesn't affect you. If you're a small business owner, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect you. If you make over $50 million. (laughs) These are big big companies that they're talking about. And the thing is, it's going to bring in like over $300 million. (laughs) And we need that to solve. No one deserves. This is America. This is fucking America. And there's 7,000 people and we're all cool with like, yeah, there's old people living on the street. Whatever. No, it, it's, old. it's sad. And the fact that matter, and then let's, let's put it like in for sanitation and health reasons. Yeah. The fact of the matter that these people will be able to use the bathroom at a proper, in a proper bathroom. And I can use a bathroom. I have to pee all the time on the street and I go in between cars. There's no fucking bathroom. Put some bathrooms on the street. Ba- I mean, and the fact, I mean, I mean, the thing is just like, it helps control disease. Sure. Point blank period. Exactly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's a simple solution and whoever it's, this Tang is, Tang. Tang and Lazarus. Lazarus, go back to being dead. Yeah, <laughs> go back to being dead. Uh, so yeah. vote, vote yes. Please vote yes. Yeah, uh, and vote period. God damn it. Yes, vote period. So um, squiggle the toggle over there, and let's let's do uh, figure out what what our insane friend is doing. Look for the the one he said. Let's start with Trump years ago. What he said. It was from. Um, it's uh, years ago. It's like from 2015. There's four of them. Let's see. Is it Trump uh, to end immigration? No, that's now. Well, we okay. can either one. We can do either one first. It doesn't matter. Uh, the U.S. birth. U.S. shouldn't. Yeah, either one of them is fine. Because basically it's that, oh, that's the one now. And okay. then we've got the one then. Do you want to do then first oh, this or is now the, first? This is the then. Okay, so let's do the, let's do the, let's do the then first. Okay. This, is, this is from 2015. This is Donald Trump talking about. I don't think you'd even be talking about illegal uh, turn it up immigration if it weren't for me. So oh, we have a country of laws. They're going to go out and they'll come back if they deserve to come back. If they've had a bad record, if they've been arrested, if they've been in jail, they're never coming back. We're going to have a country again. Right now, we don't have a country, we don't have a border, and we're gonna do something about it. And it can be done with proper management, and it can be done with heart. A woman gets pregnant. She's nine months. She walks across the border. She has the baby in the United States, and we take care of the baby for 85 years. I don't think so. And by the way, Mexico and almost every other country anywhere in the world doesn't have that. We're the only ones dumb enough, stupid enough to have it. And people, and by the way, this is not just with respect to Mexico. They're coming from Asia to have babies here, and all of a sudden we have to take care of the babies for the life of the baby. The one guy that had some special interest that I know of that tried to get me to change my views on something that was generous and gave me money was Donald Trump. He wanted casino gambling in Florida. I didn't want it. Yes, you did. Totally false. You wanted it and you, you didn't get to, it I because gotten I was it. opposed to casino gambling I, I before, promise I during, and after. I and promise that's not, I I'm not going to be bought by I anybody. I promise if I wanted it, I would have gotten if it. If I no wanted way. it, I would have gotten it. Believe me. No, I know my people. Even I know my people. According to, your, uh, to what you said on one of the talk shows, you got Hillary Clinton to go to your wedding that's because true. you gave her that's money. True. 
Maybe it works for Hillary Clinton. I was, it doesn't me, work Jeff, for anybody on, Jeff, this, on this stage. I was a this, businessman. I got along with Clinton. I got along with everybody. Yeah. That was my job, to get along with people. But the I simple didn't wanna, fact excuse is... Excuse me. One second. No. I the didn't want to... The simple fact is, get, Donald, you okay, cannot take... More energy tonight. I like no. that. Look, I was asked the wow. question. I didn't want... This is 2015, everybody. It was my obligation Don't as a businessman to my family, to my company, to my employees, to get along with all politicians. I got along with all of them, and I did a damn good job in doing it. I'm perfect and awesome and everything I do is great. So that was in 2015. Okay, so that was 2015 and that's him talking about the naturalization issues. Let's see what he said on Sunday. This is what happened. So we elected this fuckface and now we, knew better. we thought we, yeah. And now this is what he said on Sunday. This is the- We are uh, following the latest out of the White House where President Trump is signaling he may try to end a 150 year old constitutional right. The president tells the political website Axios he plans to sign an executive order to, quote, remove the right to citizenship for babies of non-citizens and unauthorized immigrants born on U.S. soil. So this means that those children would not automatically be American citizens, despite being born in the U.S. Here's what the president said in that interview with Axios. Now, how ridiculous. We're the only country in the world where a person comes in, has a baby, and the baby is essentially a citizen of the United States for 85 years with all of those benefits. It's ridiculous. Same diatribe. It's ridiculous. And, we're not and it has to end. Um, have you talked about that with counsel? Yeah, I have. So where in the process? It's in the process. It ah! Lies. With an executive order. That's what you're talking about, right? Yes, yeah, exactly very interesting. What I, was about. I didn't think anybody but knew that but me. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> So Steph Kite is one of the reporters who wrote that story for Axios. So on the website, Steph, you guys pushed back against the president's assertion that the U.S. is the only country that offers mm, uh, birthright countries. citizenship. In fact, there are 30 countries that offer it. Canada is one of them. And, but admittedly, a lot of the other ones are Central and South American countries, Caribbean countries. Mm -hmm. So he was wrong on that. But is he right on the idea that the president has a legal authority to change Constitutional. this? The majority of legal and constitutional experts would say that he actually does not have the power to do this. Uh -huh. Yay. But there are a few conservatives who have been arguing over the past several years that there is a right that the Constitution isn't being applied correctly here, that the 14th Amendment was meant only to apply to citizens and permanent residents of the U.S., and it does not apply to those on temporary visas or who are here unauthorized. So while the majority, as I said, would say he doesn't have the right to do this. This is going to be shut down in the court. If he does go through with this executive order, there are legal arguments out there, particularly among conservatives, that say, no, actually, there is a way for him to do this. Well, that's interesting because the Constitution is very explicit in this. It doesn't exactly. give you any caveats in terms of if they're a citizen. It says anyone born, anyone born in this country. In the United so States what are the is legal challenges if the yeah. president tries to push forward with this? Like right, and the argument child. really um, yeah, it, like it centers on the line under subject to the jurisdiction of the state or of the U.S. And so, what some conservatives have argued is that that meant full jurisdiction, or sorry, full jurisdiction, meaning that they have um, full allegiance to the U.S., political allegiance to the U.S., not just the fact that they are subject to U.S. laws. And that's where conservatives say the Constitution actually does kind of have a little bit of a new 
nuanced view on this, but most people do say it's pretty clear. It says that if you're on U.S. soil, if you're born on U.S. soil, you are entitled to citizenship. But it is that particular reading of that one bit of the 14th Amendment that some conservatives have argued gives the president the ability to change, or no, as they doesn't. would say, correct the way this has been interpreted. Now, my understanding was originally the 14th Amendment was Perplex. brought to bear because a lot of people were coming from Europe, coming into this country, and there were a lot of those people who were not yet citizens, but they had children. So to populate the country, they were encouraging that kind of activity. So it's interesting to me that there are some conservatives who are trying to reinterpret that particular amendment when a baseline for conservatism is to take the Constitution on its face value. And of course, this comes as there's been, over the past several years, this rise of undocumented immigrants coming to the U.S. and giving birth to their kids here. And that's something that I think many conservatives have used as kind of the reasoning behind this push to end um, this, this citizenship for people who aren't citizens of the U.S., for children who are born like to non-citizens. Um, and so that, that's kind of the context this is coming in, of course, that there are, there are undocumented immigrants come to the U.S. and decide to have kids here, and sometimes they do sponsor their parents to become citizens as well, and that's something that the president talked about when he spoke to my colleagues uh, Jonathan Swan and Jim Vandehei in the, in the interview with Axios for HBO. And so that, that is the context. That's what they're getting at. They don't want it to be, um, they don't want it to apply to everyone. They think it should only apply to certain citizens or people who brown are going to be permanent brown, residents yeah, brown people. of the and U.S. Asians. So he when I heard like this Asians. interview, I thought to myself, well, brown it's people. not like we're having a raging debate about this issue here in this country. Yeah, you know, no one's, no one's no, demanding a no change. So really why are we talking about it now so you can't help but to consider the, the timing the fact that we're so close to the midterm this is over the past couple of weeks the president has been talking about this caravan that it's a national emergency you got to send troops to the to the border um, so I wanted to ask you what do you make of the timing of bringing this up of course, the president, we've seen him over and over again in the past uh, few days, few weeks, bringing immigration to the center stage again. It's something that tends to play well Scared with Trump supporters, folks. which is, of course, um, important heading into midterms. It's something that the president campaigned on in 2016. It became, it became sort of his big They're issue. So I think we're definitely Racism. seeing that over and over again. This, is, uh, this particular report was something that my colleague Jonathan Swan had been tracking down and had been hearing from sources that it was something the president was considering, and he actually just kind of decided, well, I might as well ask the president about this. So we weren't necessarily expecting the president to um, tell us that this is a real plan that he has talked about with his counsel. Um, but it certainly does come at a very interesting time where immigration has become another big issue with the caravan heading towards the U.S. and the president's tweets. So I definitely <laughs> think the timing president's is important, tweets. and immigration is an important <laughs> issue for especially Trump supporters. Really is. All right, Steph Scared Kate, white thank folks. you so much. And thank you. the crazy thing is that uh, we're a country built on immigrants. Okay. We uh, were built, this is the whole point of, of the United States, of America. And stolen the thing about, land. Thinking about calling it America is kind of fucked because we're in North America and there's a lot of people in North America. Like there's, America is actually, there's South America too. And for us to be like, well, we're Mexico's we're, part we're, of North America. Exactly. But we're America. So like even... Even the language of what we use to describe our own country. Yeah, we are the United States of America. But to say the United States of America and to say just America is 
almost closed-minded. It's almost like me being a rich person dressing up as a homeless person for Halloween. <laughs> it, it it's so short-sighted. We, I, I just I can't believe that we're letting this happen. This is we aren't letting it happen. Well, but we those are. those crackers. But what can we do? It's happening. This is happening. Actually, that's it's not going to happen because it's the Fourteenth Amendment. Do you know how hard it is? to change a constitutional it's law constitution. It's and go to by the, the way Court. they actually did not tell the 100% truth of one of the reasons why the 14th amendment started to exist it was after the Dred Scott case I believe in 1856 you guys need to read up on the Dred Scott case that took place in St. Louis Missouri about the slave um, Dred Scott was a slave and he wanted, uh, basically was trying to get his rights um, and it, it got turned down and so then by uh, after the civil war I believe it was 1860 after the Civil War, 1866, 1868 is when the Fourteenth Amendment uh, came in to let the all those free people who are who are black basically be known as American citizens. Because sure. Dred Scott in the 1850s was not known considered as an American citizen because he was a slave. Yes, exactly. Because so that's something also they did not gotcha. mention in the mainstream media. This is why please don't always listen to them. They don't and, get their facts right. And it sucks because we forced the the African di- diaspora. We forced people to 399 come years ago. We forced people to be immigrants and, they're and not they didn't choose to be immigrants first, they, we forced them here and then we didn't give them american citizenship well of course they were property at that point so they weren't real people i mean to us and even just talking about you uh, know whites coming in here throughout the 1800s as far as to like the 1930s 1940s yeah he's fine with that which is not that long ago there was a big implosion of the irish the italians yeah. coming over here through the 1900s to all all the way to the 1940s so you still have first generation second generation here that are americans that are born here that is still fresh so they they i mean they are not called illegal they they took a long boat ride over here yeah i mean when is it when are you allowed to be what what time I period mean, are you allowed and to first, be and first this like you exactly said we are a nation of immigrants nation and then of immigrants. I'll, I'll throw literally. something literally and then i'll throw something even better do you know that of course you should know that trump's two ex or two wives were immigrants oh, oh and by the way oh. melania was working here illegally oh. uh, when she was a model because her visa expired wow wow so she was illegal and then let's talk about chain migration wow. her parents yeah, just became just american became american citizens because of her because of chain migration he doesn't like change mi- chain migration yeah he does not like it trump does not like it but yet he used it for his own advantage because it's okay to use privilege when you're a white guy. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I believe his mother came over here in the 1920s from Scotland, I believe. Wow. Not that long ago. Not that long under, ago. Under 100 years ago. Yeah. I mean, give me a fucking break. You, I'm sorry. You crazy ass. These are, no, not all white people are crackers. But those who don't read up their history, those crackers. Yeah read and remember why it's crackers it's not like saltine crackers like we're so white that we're full of salt and we're delicious little crackers (laughs) that you eat when you're sick nay it's that we were the whip crackers and that's why we call it because it's like you're the cracker you're cracking the whip against the people and that's where the slur came from but it's not even like it's like a slur but it still like embraces the power of white people which sucks I mean it's hard to even slur us I I, I, this 
he is a slur. Trump is a slur is right a slur. now against white people. This is terrible. This is, and the, I just, it's the, I can't believe that we're going to let this happen. It, it's, it's, it's so stupid. So uh, Americans are so fucking stupid to even to even believe into this to concept. This concept. Yeah, we are uh, still a new world and the fact that we have most everything documented from people coming over here oh and then our land getting taken oh well that's the other thing did we naturalize the native americans we're like you're american citizens now what did we do how did we figure that out we're like well we stole your land and now we're gonna let you be citizens but we're not gonna like give you all the rights or you know we're even uh, right now to this very day trying to suppress your vote which I think I, I, I uh, there. This is going on in North Dakota where they are suppressing the indigenous people's vote. Oh my god! Right now, uh, it's just it's just anybody who it, I for whatever this. If we can't see this, like if we can't learn from the past and see that there's a fascist, a fascism that's sweeping our nation, and that we're letting these. If we let him you know he could change the constitution because he just got kavanaugh of young white misogynist into the supreme court so maybe maybe this might happen it's very scary i i I, i'm leaning on it the fact it won't happen i think this is just scary rhetoric because the fact that matter i i'm quite optimistic that at least the democrats will take the house in which you would have to get to the house in yeah. order to change it and that sure i'm i'm optimistic that because changing an amendment or a race eradicating an amendment is a long process right. but uh, but he, they switch and, just, and I, I, if it was good i'd push it through if i wanted if i wanted if i wanted gambling in florida you bet i'd do you bet it would have been there i can I ha- do anything i want because i'm the smartest best person in the world i'm the president yeah he i mean he could even get his facts right we're yeah. the only country there's 30 other fucking 30 countries, other countries and the fact that he thinks that he can use his executive order yeah well and he did it get so this, this will transition into this more executive orders so oh, he had right. the executive order with the trans ban from the military but now to remember last week so every week it seems to be a new thing every a new week. human rights violation every week it's a new human rights violation if it isn't the ice going into people's schools and taking their parents if it isn't putting babies in cages if it isn't saying these babies here are no longer american citizens if it's a he's taking rights or away from someone if he's not saying that women aren't real people or making fun of women or saying they're not, not smart week. if he's not doing that then he's doing something else that's terrible so uh this is uh, this is the what he's doing the, the the trans people, which is happening, and we need to stand up. This is from Newsweek, and uh, here I'll do that. Uh, with the midterm elections right around the corner, it's more important than ever to be vocal about the Trump administration's constant attack against the trans community. Between the military ban, his refusal of protections for trans youth in public schools, or trans people using public restrooms, and now his determination to erase trans people's legal identity. Trump has proven to be an enemy of our community and must be met with strong opposition. After Trump became president, we regressed in the fight for equality. We took several leaps back from the progress we had achieved during the Obama era. And this is, um, I'll tell you who wrote this. It's a letter from trans people to, it's uh, Carmen Carrera is the name of the writer. Uh, Oh, I know who she is. 
In the beginning of my career, I received minimal backlash and was met with slight opposition during Barack Obama's presidency. However, during Trump's candidacy, nomination, and eventual inauguration, I received a terrible backlash. Having someone like Trump in office gave his supporters the agency and validation to spread hate and attack public figures who are trying to create positive and genuine change. After Trump became president, this world became a more dangerous place for trans people. The fact is, society was more comfortable embracing stories like mine and people like me during President Obama's terms in the White House. Mainstream society has felt the need to defeminize me wherever they can and discredit my female identity. Some people have decided I don't really count as a woman. This isn't just a trans issue. It's a women's issue, too. I threaten traditional ideas and structure on gender, and that scares Trump and his supporters. I even see it with the brand partnerships I've had in the past. Companies became a bit more hesitant to work with me or promote campaigns because they feared how their consumer base would react after Trump was in office. Social media is one of our most vital tools in fighting the Trump administration. The hashtag won't be erased movement shows how the trans community and its allies adapt and push back against the dangers and toxicity from this rhetoric coming out of our White House. Social media effectively rallies like-minded communities and empowers them to continue to fight for their rights to party. I use my platform to educate, inspire, and empower my followers. Sometimes knowing that there is an entire community out there fighting the same battles as you is an inspiration, is all the inspiration you need to keep going. Trump is a cisgender, straight, rich, white male who can't possibly understand what it's like to live a trans experience because he's never been exposed to that life. Or, or even a trans person that he takes seriously. I would implore him to research and educate himself. Oh, he doesn't like to read. Get to know us. He needs to understand that we are human beings and valued citizens in this country. He needs to familiarize himself and recognize that many accomplishments and contributions we have made to society. We are not second-class citizens. We are innovators and trailblazers. We are worthy of love, appreciation, acceptance, and a chance at life after our transition. Trump's presidency is fueling the fire that President Barack Obama helped extinguish during his terms in office. But our community will never be erased. We are here. We have always been here. And despite Trump's continued attacks to delegitimize transgender people, we will persist in our fight for equality. We are embedded in society. We are educators and doctors. We are lawyers and entrepreneurs. We are artists and designers. You cannot get rid of us. Like so many of my trans brothers and sisters, I have worked extremely hard to build up my identity to where I am today. And that will not be erased because of the ignorance and hated then hatred Trump continues to spread. We will not sit idly by and let him chip away at our right to exist. We have a powerful voice and it would be in his best interest to listen. The trans community is a loyal 1.4 million strong family and we vote. Carmen Carrera is a mother, actor, advocate, and one of the world's highest profile transgender women. She is a dedicated international human rights and HIV prevention advocate and works with organizations like Sunios LGBT to fight discrimination against young transgender women. Yay! Yay for Carmen! You, you, he's not going to educate himself. Of course, Maureen. he's not. Give up on this man. I don't know why people are still trying to have hope for a piece of shit. But the thing is that. There's no hope for him. Turning back this transgender issue and saying that them... Okay, so we understand now, scientifically and emotionally, or our body, that gender is a construct. Yeah. And it's a fluid it, It's a fluid spectrum. 
and people can land kind of in different places on this spectrum. But saying, taking that, taking a person's choice of gender away, how a person wants to represent themselves to society is their personal choice. And taking that away and saying, no, 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 you have to identify as this. That's fascism. That is clearly fascism. That is saying that your point of view is not important. That your thoughts and feelings and the way that you live your life is not important. It, it, you don't get to make that choice. You don't have that choice. You are what we say you are. Exactly. And you shut up and you fucking take it. And and you you take the abuse and you take the closed-mindedness, and we turn back acceptance. Why would we want to turn back acceptance? Because we're making America great again. Gross! I, I dressed up, actually, on Friday as Miss Make America Great Again, and I wore a 50s outfit, and it was very, like, put together, and I wore a little... I wore lots of makeup and a tiny little... Um, a tiny little sparkly cowboy hat, and... Um, oh and I had a little... Um, what is it? Apron on. I don't even know the words anymore. That said, wench, and I was like, "Make America great again." But people didn't like that I was making fun of. They were like, "Why are you dressed as a MAGA?" And I'm like, "What's it's a MAGA?" Poking fun. I was poking fun. Okay, stop being sensitive. That's stop see, that's a PC shit that it I don't is. like. Why are you supporting MAGA? It's I'm like, I'm being satirical. Look at me. I'm dressed like a. I'm poking fun at that. Yeah. I mean, transgender. The, the fact that matters just because you're born with the dick. Or a cooter. It doesn't mean that you identify. I there's some, isn't there some chemical in the brain that kind of tells you that you know you identify as a man or a woman. Sci- there's some scientific. You know, I, I the thing is, I'm not sure. I know gender's a spectrum, and that like, I mean, I I have a lot of male tendencies that like on the gender spectrum I mean I wish I could identify as male because I would want all the rights and privileges that white men get to have like I wish I was I wish I would have been a little boy there are so many doors that would have been open to me I wouldn't have been seen as annoying or bossy as a child I would have been seen as a natural leader and I might have been pushed into you know leadership positions instead of always silenced and saying you know go can't you just look can't you just look pretty can't you just smile and look pretty can't you just do that but fighting fighting for it is fun (laughs) fighting for it i'm glad i'm glad i'm a woman of color because i like to fight with words (laughs) shit i i meant to do um Last night at Cobbs, I meant to do my my feminist set, and I I was off the rails. I was a little drunk, so I did some other things. But uh, this is the other thing. This is from Vice uh, and Broadly, and it's it's uh it was just from a day ago, and it's all it's it's the timeline of how Trump has been attacking trans people since he's been in office. So I think this will be very interesting for us. Uh, Despite the fact that transgender people make up just 3% of the population, according to the 2017 GLAD study, there is a concerted effort across the United States to limit our access to health care and civic spaces in an effort that has been fomenting prejudice on the state level for years and now is being undertaken by the top levels of the American government. Yet less than 3% of the people... This sounds sounds kind of... I really feel like... This is the modern day sort of concentration camp kind of issue where we're going to take 3% of our population and blame it all on them and, you know, kill them. It's definitely the new civil rights movement, that's for sure. Yeah. New York Times recently exposed the Trump administration's secret initiative that, if enacted, would definitely exclude trans protections from existing constitutional civil rights statutes. Oh, why is he trying to change the Constitution? 
The plan, according to the Times, is spearheaded by the Department of Health and Human Services and seeks to collaborate with the Departments of Education, Justice, and Labor in a joint definition of gender as, quote, a person's status as a male or female based on immutable biological traits identifiable by or before birth. So in the womb, if you've got, if they show a pee-pee, then you're a boy. Gross. This is essentially the bizarro inverse of what the Obama administration did in 2016 when the U.S. Department of Justice and the U.S. Department of Education issued an order clarifying that the term sex in constitutional anti-discrimination laws covers transgender people. Obama's decision to formally recognize trans people's rights was based on a court precedent that he had already ruled in this manner. Though Obama's directives didn't change the law, they clarified it and how it could be interpreted and thus sent a message across the nation that trans people are a constitutionally protected minority. And you know what? Obama studied constitutional law before, oh my God, before he was a senator, he was a constitutional lawyer. It's so funny that someone who's actually, someone who's actually qualified to talk about the Constitution did something to change it in the favor of the Constitution. <laughs> and then we have a person who doesn't read. We have a person. We have a president who Executive doesn't order. read. He watches TV. He doesn't read. It's a day. What does he? What does he read? He reads nothing. He doesn't read anything. He has no idea what's going on. He does. There's no idea about constitutional law. And yet, let's change it all. Let's. Let's just crazy <laughs> he, trans people. Let's, he thinks. It, he thinks it's just like that. Let's just worry. Let's just worry about. Let's just demonize. And, I can and just write executive order. It's uh, why are we trying to take human rights away from people? Who does that? He's a crazy cracker. I just don't get it. <laughs> they trans people are a constitutionally protected minority. That action enraged the right, which in some states levied lawsuits against school districts that have allowed trans students to use properly gendered school facilities, and launched multi-state-backed national lawsuits on behalf of state-funded religious healthcare professionals who objected to providing transgender care to patients. Uh, I mean, seriously? How do you have that much hate in your heart? I don't get it. I don't understand how we're not seeing people as people. And they're using their religion. Some people are people, but some people are more people than others. Or some people uh, are less people. All of that was already happening under Obama, and it didn't take Trump to spark a conservative backlash to the transgender civil rights movement. The Trump administration has simply picked this mantle and brought it to a new extreme. Since he took office, Trump has attempted to undo his predecessor's work, doing away with Obama's pro-trans executive orders, attacking medical care, trying to ban trans people from the military, and now to revoke the constitutional protections of all transgender Americans by signaling that the federal government has a trans-exclusionary interpretation of constitutional law is like Title IX and Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. The Trump administration is creating a cultural environment that may take that may make courts feel more confident in ruling against transgender people. To be clear, courts have not been ruling against us. They have consistently ruled in line with the Obama-era guidance around these laws, which has created a large body of legal precedent confirming that transgender people are already protected under the law. This is an essential distinction to understand because it is easy to assume trans people are not protected by anti-discrimination laws. We are. While there are social institutions in which trans people are still desperately 
uh, in which trans people still desperately require laws protecting against discrimination, such as housing. Existent constitutional laws that protect people on the basis of sex also protect transgender individuals on the basis of sex. We don't need constitutional amendments to protect trans people from discrimination in school or at work. We already have it. Republicans simply wish to reinterpret these existing protections in a way that would exclude trans people. This seems particularly odd since, as I said earlier, we're such a small minority. Even although there are so few of us relatively, transgender politics are an easy target for the right to label extreme, making us a useful battering ram to rally quote unquote normal Americans behind. To the right, transgender people are more a symbol of unsettling change than they are people. Interesting. This is the, the quote they pulled out, which I'll say again. The Trump administration is creating a cultural environment that makes courts feel more confident in ruling against transgender people. This is why it was so important to not have Kavanaugh. Right. You know. Because he doesn't like women, but it doesn't like trans people either. He don't like nobody. Mm. He like beer. <laughs> well, I got excited about that. And the, rape. And rape. Be- beer and rape. Yeah. Hey, who doesn't like little beer and rape? <laughs> uh, there are different tiers of legal precedent, which the guide which guide the judiciary in interpreting law. And while the current areas of precedent for trans protections are legitimate, there has not been a ruling on the issue at the nation's highest judiciary, the Supreme Court. That's partially why the Trump administration's actions are so alarming. Were a transgender discrimination case related to Title IX or Title VII to reach the Republican majority Supreme Court, a ruling there could create the strongest degree of precedent yet. A ruling against trans rights at the highest level would set a legal precedent that would subsequently inform all future rulings about transgender people seeking protection under these laws. That's pretty fucking insane and utterly unsurprising with respect to trans rights and so many other issues. Trump's election was an alarming disruption to the promise of social progress under President Obama. In 2012, Joe Biden, then vice president, stated that the fight for transgender equality was the civil rights movement of our time. Obama extended protections, including an executive order on behalf of the rights and welfare of this vastly underrepresented community and accomplished by far more for trans Americans than any president in our history. Of course, transgender people have long lived in the United States in darkness surviving the 20th century when it was widely illegal to cross-dress and for most people trans medical care was virtually a fiction our communities have fought to survive through the aids plague of the 80s which continues to disproportionately impact trans women of color who are at an exponentially higher risk of hiv than other communities extreme violence at the hands of men with national murders that increase year after year because we are finally looking at this problem its true scope is being progressively unveiled absolute erasure throughout the nation from the home where our families have long rejected us to civic spaces where our presence in public restrooms is restricted to healthcare where we strive for medical treatment despite having long been castigated as mentally ill and to the church which has widely spread propaganda against transgender people Trump had little to say about trans people on the campaign trail, but his racist, xenophobic, sexist, ableist, and otherwise broadly discriminatory talking points at political rallies made it clear that he was a voice for 
id-level anxieties, reflecting some Americans' worst natures. It became clear that Trump, the odd-looking reality television host and master of none, could collapse the tenuous levees of social justice that transgender people and their allies have built to prevent, so, to prevent social forces of hatred and ignorance from flooding in and submerging us completely again. When Trump was elected in 2016... I wrote about the threat that his presidency poses to transgender Americans. In 2017, I wrote in reflection about a year for trans people under Trump, highlighting the transgender community's resilience and resistance against a political mad dog propelled by his own pursuit of power. A person too stupid or too self-motivated to mind playing puppet for true political masters. I know that resistance continues and grows in strength. Today, in the wake of Trump's latest and broadest assault against our community, I'm overwhelmed by the inevitability of his cultural movement. It was clearly predicted from the start. Uh, trans people are people. Yeah. I have a bunch of trans friends, I and they're too. awesome dudes. First of all, I and used to, ladies. I used to work with a bunch of trans women um, and for uh, the makeup department at Bloomingdale's and oh, they know good. how to fucking mm-hmm. work. They know how to kick ass on their... Ma- Listen, and that's not even... I mean... I don't mean yeah. a stereotype, but they know how... Mm-hmm. Shit, they can teach some women some shit. Mm-hmm. But Eyebrow I, plucking. Yeah. For oh, sure. Dude, just painting the just face. Painting. Dressing. But I mean, the fact... And, and then that goes for trans men too. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This fear of like the, it's that old stereotype the same thing that um, they've used about uh, gay people like oh they're gonna you know they're gonna get your children Ooh. they're gonna molest them and you know they, they'll cross dress and go into the bathroom and then aggressively kidnap or rape your children it all you know terrible who, propaganda. You know who Lies. rapes your children? Mexicans. Just kidding. No. <laughs> Catholic priests. No, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm People just who are van- evangelicals are rapists of children. Well, predators are predators, predators. and they're everywhere. They're, like, they're predators are going to prey, and they're all over the map. Like, and there's no. I don't think that you can say that any particular race or, or I know mostly a lot of men are mostly uh, the ones and, are mostly and we don't want to say that too because there's also female predators there's look oh. at the look at the women that were teachers that had sex with their junior high age students and the, the lady who's in jail and then she had the boyfriend and they had a baby and then they oh Mary Kay Latura yeah I mean they got married predators are predators though right people but... people who want to control children and control people underage sexually are gonna do that whether I mean, it goes, it doesn't, it, we, we can't stereotype them in any particular I'm race. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm saying they're mostly men, but I, I, I have to look at my we can, facts. We can look, up the, we can look, we can look at the I mean, facts. we can just, we can fake news it too. But the, no, but no, the point, but the point is that transgender people are people. And if they choose to identify with who they are as a person and express themselves in any way, that's let them why not they're just trying to live seriously yeah like life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that's like in the beginning so your pursuit of happiness if you were born in the a differently gendered body than you choose to express yourself then and it's nobody's nobody's business first of all you're not going to be checking people's pants this doesn't matter 
Like, yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to grab everybody's, we're going to grab their dicks by, or we're going to grab the pussy. by the pussy and find out. Like, show me your papers. Show me show where me, you show were. Show me your vagina. Show, I mean, and what about? That's assault. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, seriously. Uh, just my <gasps> friends that are dudes that were born as women, they're dudes now. They're rad dudes. And they're not, I don't understand why they can't be dudes and I don't yeah it's nobody's these fucking I business I thought you know these are the same Republicans that want small government or used to want small government but you want to enter into people's bathrooms. vaginas bathrooms pants uh, bedrooms, bedrooms. Yeah. all of the above but you want small government yeah I mean, get your hands out of my pants. Yeah. It's nobody's business. Yeah. You and you can't tell. You you don't know. You who can't is tell. Who. No, no, exactly. And my my dudes, so what? My trans buddies that are dudes, like, I didn't. I mean, one of the one of their wives actually outed them at one point. I didn't even know he was. I didn't know, and I didn't. I don't care. Like, but he's a hundred percent dude, dude. Like, I, I just. And, and you know, and then here's something that we have an issue with, with a lot of the straight males who haven't come out the closet, who <laughs> sexually don't want to admit that they are into, you know, trans women or trans men. So they rather murder them oh. instead of them being outed. Right. There is a big influx of that going on in a lot of communities about, you know, men suppressing their sexual urges about the fact that, you know, if they're into trans men or trans women, so what? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of porn, too, that supports that. And I know. Well, not I'm, not not abusing people of that choose their gender. But uh, I, it is it's it's crazy to me what's going on in the world. And I do think it trickles down from the top. Let's get to these other uh, views. First, we'll go with Leslie Stahl um, and her. She interviewed President Trump um, two weeks ago. Two right? weeks ago, and so this is her commenting on oh, yeah. on what it was like to interview him. And then we'll do the John Oliver one because it'd be funny. So this is a correspondent candid with sixty Minutes, Leslie Stahl. I love that. Leslie, you've interviewed President Trump three times. As a candidate, as president-elect, and now as president, has the office changed him anyway? Well, in terms of the three interviews, he was completely different. The, the one that really stood out was the one three days after he won the election. Well, it's been a wild ride, I'll tell you that. Where it was my impression that he was in total shock right now he's he's so much more confident he is truly president and you felt it i felt it in this interview Dictated. do you think you ever asked any questions that got under his skin where you saw him get a little irritable or snap back at you i think it was more when i would try to bring him back to the question i asked and that got on his nerves a little bit i'm going to try one more time Okay. You I know, unless you don't have to try again. I know exactly well, what you're saying. Well, answer my question. The answer is this. At times, he seemed to be trying to filibuster you. Well, you know something? He, he was trying to filibuster me. But I have never interviewed a politician ever that didn't try to filibuster me. Do you believe that the Russians interfered in the 2016 campaign, uh, election? Our well, election. They, they meddled. But I think China meddled too. But and why I think do you other say countries, China meddled and you want to know something too? Why do you say China? Why don't you just say the you. Russians meddled? Because I think China meddled also. And I think, frankly, 
China this is, is a bigger problem. You're diverting the whole Russian I'm thing. Doing yeah, because you're, you're being, they're being when indicted. When you were talking to the, the Office, you tried to press him on whether he'd pledge not to fire Robert Mueller. Yeah. Will you pledge, pledge, that you will not shut down the Mueller investigation? Well, I, I don't pledge anything. Manny didn't want to answer that. He didn't want to pledge. He said, I'm not going to pledge on 60 Minutes. I don't want to pledge. Why should I pledge to you? If I pledge, I'll pledge. I don't have to pledge to you, but well, I have no intention of that. You're not pledging to me. Yeah, he didn't like that one either. But you know something? He, he enjoyed the sparring. He said so, and I could tell he enjoyed it. I, I disagree, but I don't want to have that fight with you. Hey, right, we we'll okay. have another fight with you. Leslie, okay. it's okay. In the meantime, right. I'm president, and, we're and you're not. Fun. Oh God, I hate He's that guy. He's restrained with you. Uh, oh, I got. Media question. I got In the meantime, I'm president. You're not. I got. A, I wouldn't say he was restrained. He, he came at fake news quite a few times. You have said that this administration is like a smooth running machine. And yet we keep hearing that the White House is in chaos. It's wrong, it's so false. It's fake news. There was a point where he was being so complimentary to you that you accused him of softening you up. <laughs> I think he was trying to soften me up. I'm on 60 Minutes. Great show. My first interview with Mike Wallace, right? Right. And it was such a great interview. He was so nice. He was only nice to me. He wasn't nice to other people. Many <laughs> years ago, and here I am again, 60 Minutes with Leslie Stalk, even bigger than Mike Wallace. Do you consider yourself bigger than <laughs> Mike Wallace? You're trying to soften me up okay. here. But you know, when you interview anybody, you, you, you know it's a performance. You're on camera. The lights are on you. Uh, he's very aware of, of being a performer. Do you really think I'd call Russia to help me with an election? Give me a break. And so I think he's always conscious that this is going to be seen by everybody, but so am I. Oh, look at your desk. So is the interviewer. And so, yeah, you're trying to set up a good uh, chemistry between you, both sides. Why do you think President Trump decided on an interview with you now at this particular time? Because the elections are trying to win the midterm election for the Republicans. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think you he think? believes, and I know Les? his people believe, the more he's out there publicly, um, the stronger the chances are for the Republicans, and the better for him. And uh, I think the White House has come to believe it's a mistake to try to restrain him, to keep him off television, to keep him away from these rallies. And he loves doing it. He really, he, he gets it's a lot of energy yeah. from crowds. And, and I think he gets a it's lot of a energy wrestling the way he did with me. No, I'm having fun. I mean, I have fun. I like doing this. I don't know why. There I we like go. doing this. I like I doing this. Know. I don't know why. I'm playing with people's uh, lives. Uh, yeah. I'm just the president of the United States. You, uh, you know who did not uh, welcome him? Uh, the Pitts, the people in Pittsburgh. Uh, they, um, after the there mass was a shooting, shooting. Yeah. they rejected him coming. He came anyway. Um, and they had thousands of people that protested. And the majority of people, uh, they, they uninvited him. Good. Yeah. City of brotherly love, he's not allowed because no, he's not no, a brother. That's, that's Philadelphia. Oh, sorry. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> that's Philadelphia. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Pitt Philadelphia's in Pennsylvania, though, too. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. good. Phew. Pittsburgh's the second God, largest. It's city. so hard to tell. Uh, so, this next one is John Oliver making fun uh, of that whole situation. And uh, it's one of those. There you go. 
and he's being he's being funny and I like him. This is from the from the Daily Show. And he basically parodies that whole thing. Oh, is it Stephen Colbert? I'm Steve Croft. I'm Scott Pelley. And I'm Stephen Colbert. Tonight, my interview of Leslie Stahl's interview of (laughs) President Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. President, you've been president for two years. There's something really terrible and disgusting about that. No, I agree. (laughs) How would you sum up your administration so far? It is vicious. It's full of lies, deceit, and deception. Speaking of which, if you get rid of Jeff Sessions, who would you replace him with? Pillows and blankets. Let's switch gears. How is your love affair going with Kim Jong-un? The day before I came in, we were going to war with North Korea. Okay, that's a lie. Would you admit that that's a lie? The answer is yes. What about your relationship with the Saudi prince? What's going to happen if we find out the Saudis killed that journalist? We're going to get to the bottom of it, and there will be severe punishment. Is that another lie? Yeah. Are you ever going to tell the truth? Don't count on it. Now, your presidency hasn't been a complete tragedy. Don Jr. and Eric are ridiculous. They're a laughing stock all over the world. (laughs) That they are. Up top. Come on. Come on. What's up? Do it. Tap it. Come on. Space, space platform. Waiting for your rocket. Okay. Moving on. If I could just go back to that lying thing again, why do you think you get away with your unprecedented mountain of lies? I'm president and you're not. Okay, someone sounds a little cranky. Is it nap time? Do you want a warm bottle? I'm not a baby. Only a baby says he's not a baby. I'm not a baby. Blank. There you go. I love Stephen Colbert. Yeah, it was. That's uh, awesome. That was really fun. So there's something else that uh, a lot of we need to be paying attention to as well. Um, In Brazil, uh, the new president who just got elected, Borrero, I believe his name is, is just like Donald Trump, but worse. Oof. I have a feeling there might be a new civil war that's going to start in Brazil. Well, did that other guy get shot? The guy who was running against him, who was like far, far left. Oh, no, he got stabbed. He got he got stabbed because I was when I was in Rome. I remember watching the there's he's sitting on someone's shoulders and they're yes, like blah blah blah. And then so he got elected. Yes, he is a very far far white, far on the right right wing. But he got shot and then he got elected. Stabbed. He got stabbed. stabbed. And then he got elected. And that's what boasted his because yeah yeah. And so basically he won. So he's wow. like Trump. Point oh, um, and so basically, he, he's very 7.17. <laughs> he's he's very homophobic, Oof. hardcore racist, which I can't understand in Brazil. In Brazil, which, yeah, against exactly. against who? Against black, black people? people. But no. the there's a, everyone's black in Brazil. Almost pretty, pretty black. much. But you know, they're you know those white people. They they don't know about their history, um, <sighs> and. Also, too, he there was something he said. There was a quote about um, one of the women that um, was in the government. He said, "Like I wouldn't rape her. She's too ugly to be raped." Sounds I'm not just saying, like Donald Trump. I'm not saying that you know I'm into rape, but I definitely wouldn't rape her. Uh, it, 
don't quote me on that quote, but it's kind of something like that. Something like well, that. Well, that's like when uh, President Trump said that uh, I would never have sex with Stormy yes. Daniels. If I was going to have sex with a porn star, she'd be so much better looking. Like, seriously, dude? Really? <laughs> really? So keep an eye out on Brazil. Oh, and he also called to congratulate. Uh, 45 called to congratulate him as well and they can't wait to start working with each other he's in love with Kim Jong-il oh yeah uh, so this is something you put on earlier from um, from today from the HuffPost Sioux Tribe sues North Dakota over voter ID requirements mm-hmm. a Supreme Court ruling has required identifi- identification with provable street address in the state a rarity for people living on reservations we were just talking about this. Like, yes. they were here first, and what, they don't get to be citizens anymore? They don't get to vote like citizens anymore because they don't... Really? Oh, the first people. Bismarck, North Dakota. The Spirit Lake Sioux Tribe on Tuesday sued the state of North Dakota over its voting identification requirements, part of a larger effort to ensure American Indians can vote in next week's this week's election, next week, whatever, in the wake of a U.S. Supreme Court ruling in a similar lawsuit filed by another tribe. To cast a ballot, voters in North Dakota need an identification with a provable street address, something that's hard to come by on reservations. The state maintains everyone has a street address, via the statewide 911 system, but the lawsuit filed by the Native American Rights Fund, the Campaign Legal Center, and two law firms argues the system is, quote, incomplete, contradictory, and prone to error on reservations. Quote, state policies should be designed to make it easier for all citizens to vote, but North Dakota's voter ID law disenfranchises Native Americans living on reservations, unquote, said Danielle Lang senior attorney with the Campaign Legal Center. The lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court seeks to have the street adjustment requirement ruled unconstitutional. Quote, we have a choice between a democracy that includes all eligible voters and a system that excludes people based on their circumstances or background, Lang said. Unless the court steps in, eligible Native American voters, including our clients, may be denied the right to vote next week due to the state's deeply flawed system of assigning and verifying voters' residential addresses. Secretary of State Al Yeager said the state does not comment on pending litigation. Of course not. The Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa sued over the voter ID requirements in 2016. A U.S. Supreme Court ruling in that case earlier this month allowed the state to continue requiring street addresses as opposed to other addresses such as post office boxes. However... Ruth Bader Ginsburg said in a dissent that, quote, the risk of voter confusion appears severe here. Wow. But post office P.O. boxes should be legal. Yeah. Because that that disenfranchises. If you can't vote with a P.O. box, that disenfranchises tons and tons of people that don't, that either have transitory housing or that... It's still a mailbox. It's, it's still a mailbox. A, it, it's yeah. still have an address. It's an address. That's crazy. North Dakota's four large American Indian tribes have been scrambling since the Supreme Court decision to make sure their numbers can vote in the election, which includes a race that could help determine control of the U.S. Senate. Republican U.S. Representative Kevin Kramer is challenging Democratic incumbent Senator Heidi Heitkamp, who narrowly won her seat in 2012 with the help of the American Indian vote. This is so insidious. The state's voter IDs laws were tightened just a few months later, but the Republican-controlled legislature maintains the changes were not due to Heitkamp's win. Yeager has said the changes were aimed at guarding against voter fraud. 
Bullshit. The four tribes in recent days have been issuing free IDs with residential street addresses from their to their members. But the Spirit Lake lawsuit argues that the 911 addressing system on reservations is, quote, characterized by disarray, errors, confusion, and missing or conflicting addresses. It cites several examples of what it says are tribal members who have experienced problems, including one man who used the residential street address listed on his state-issued ID on an absentee ballot application and had it denied due to an invalid address. The skirmish over voter access isn't limited to North Dakota. Voters in at least eight states will face more stringent laws than they did in the last federal election, according to the nonpartisan Brenner Center for Justice. And then those states include what's going on in Georgia, Mm-hmm. Uh, with Stacey Abrams and then uh, Brian Kemp, who is Secretary of State, um, uh, who won't step down from Secretary of State because he actually helps control the voting. So he hasn't um, reclused himself, so he's cheating. And then you have um, in Texas what's going on with the uh, senator race between uh, Beto O'Rourke and... Um, Ted Cruz, uh, students have now started to sue the state of Texas because some of the um, people who have done early voting, their voting has, damn it, mom, stop calling me. <laughs> sorry, my mom keeps interrupting us. Um, <laughs> who, um, sorry, basically what's going on in Texas, Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz, the um, people who've done early voting, their votes have been changed to more leaning on the Republican. Mm. So their voter machines have been uh, cheating. And then in Missouri, there was one going on with, um, oh, I, I, I can't remember the one that's going to Missouri, but it's a form of, uh, it, this, people sued the state of uh, Missouri and they are the people who sued one because there was voter suppression going on there. So that's just four. So it's going on everywhere. It's going on everywhere. It's going on everywhere. I, I just very, I'm not surprised and saddened that the Republican Party has so much money and power that they can manipulate voting. <laughs> they've cheated. They've cheated. They, because they, they know they're going to lose. So that's where the whole gerrymandering starts. And then, oh, right. you yeah. know, Changing we're not even the, talking yeah. about that. They're just straight up. Yeah. Being not like, allowing people who have a differing opinion to vote. And you know who I really blame after the, uh, the, the voting rights got knocked out in two I believe in 2012 2013 where basically it made it easier for these states to suppress voting I blame that coon Clarence Thomas uh, he voted for that it's oh going, I'm it's going in and out there we go my dad finally sent me a good cartoon that sort of expresses a point of view that we might agree with uh, there is a wagon trains going along sort of a prairie uh, with a white man with a gun, a couple white men with guns, and then there is a Native American on a horse uh, with a chief. Um, <laughs> he has his chief headdress on, and it says, oh great, another migrant caravan. <laughs> Your dad sent that? My dad sent that, and he's from another point of view. Finally, my dad sends me something I agree with. This is funny to me. Wow. Finally. I'm so confused. The Native Americans. Oh, another oh, migrant, migrant caravan. And that's like 150, 160 years ago. So, <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm job, guessing Dad. like I'm guessing he's getting tired of what the uh, what Fox News is doing by sending this all this fear about the whole migrant caravan yeah. supposedly coming They're to get coming. us. Ah, oh, it's so ex it's so exhausting. It really is. It, it's there's, I don't know, every day it's something new. Every this day. Week, it's last week new. it was trans and, you know, people getting murdered. 
what's this week we have more of the migrant caravan and more fear more fear I that's mean, what we that's what America is now it's just straight up fear I guess I you know the thing is like I do recall the fear you know it, it used to be the fear of Al-Qaeda and and ISIS and that was fear that like the Bush administration stirred up as well, which is completely fucking wrong and ignorant because there was white supremacy going on in that administration as well. Yeah. Oh, but Lordy, every week, every day, I'm going to be so disappointed if we don't get positive, if we don't get positive results next week. It's going to be really scary. I it's, mean, and, and I can only believe if we don't get positive results next week that it's due to meddling from yeah, from the Republican Party and from what, what's been happening. I just, I just, that's what I, I can't believe that. It's, I'm very, very sad and scared. And, uh, and I'm scared. We've got so many, I, I, I just, please vote next week. Please, 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 please vote. And, and, and again, it's sad that we don't have a choice really other than Democratic versus Republican. I wish that we lived in a multiple party system where other people's, because I don't really even agree with the Democratic Democrats, Party. Thank I mean, you. They're, they're not progressive enough for me. Absolutely. So, they big money. But it's better than the alternative. You got to take the bad or the worse. Right. So <laughs> let's not take the worst people. Let's. We took that in 2016 mm. and now look. Oof. We're in a constitutional crisis. Oof. Seriously. Seriously, constitutional crisis. It's absolutely true. Yeah. It's absolutely and, true. And, you know, the Republicans are skinning, sitting ducks. And, and, and I don't know if you've been paying attention to a lot of the elections going on throughout the country, but the some of the Republicans have just went full-blown racism. Like, there's the, uh, there's, in San Diego, your, uh, your old hometown, what's going on down there with, um, I forgot this prick's name, but he, um, he was the one that just got indicted for campaign fraud in San Diego, mm. and he just went straight, I forget, I forget this man's name, but he is, the man, the Democrat he's running up against, I believe is Middle Eastern, mm. and the Republican who's stated something to the point of like you, you know if you vote for him you're voting for terrorism Oof. he just went straight up Oof. yeah this is uh this is real republican racism lands uh Racism lands among the top Republican campaign strategies for 2018. Republicans are leaning hard on racism to woo voters against historically diverse Democratic field of candidates running this year. It can be hard to keep track, but the Huffington Post has a running list of racist comments, ads, and mailers, grading the attacks on their subtlety using a scale of one to five white hands. We'll look at that in a second. The case cases that get five white hands will be familiar to many Daily Cost readers. This is from Daily Cost. Uh, efforts to paint Rhodes Scholar Antonio Delgado as a scary black rapper. Yep. To link Aftab Purvey to terrorism. That's the one. Though a case he never worked on handled by the giant international law firm at which he was an associate. To link Amar Kepanajar to terrorism through a grandfather who died before he was born. And of course, Ron DeSantis's infamous monkey this up comments in the morning after the Florida gubernatorial primary. But even 
if you know about all those incidents, it's striking to see how widespread overt racism is in the Republican campaigns, whether in casual comments from candidates or as a planned campaign strategy. Often, it's a comment that shows how Republicans habitually look at people of color. Both Deb Halan and Sharice Davids, Native American women running for the House in New Mexico and Kansas, respectively, have faced comments about the reservation. A local Republican official wanted to send Davids packing back to the reservation, while Halen's opponent thought that identifying Halen as Indian wasn't quite right because it, quote, evokes images that she was raised on a reservation. <laughs> Republican Representative Pete Olson called his Democratic challenger, Sri Preston Kulnari, a liberal Indo-American who's a carpetbagger, while Kulkarni was raised in the suburban Houston district he's running in and is descended from Sam Houston. What? The founder of Houston in Texas? <laughs> Republicans aren't always shy about memorializing their racism, though, in the form of campaign mailers and ads. A Republican running for Tennessee State Senate against Gabby Salinas, who's an immigrant, sent out a mailer saying, Quote, his family is called Shelby County Home for Seven Generation. He's from here. He's one of us. Subtext, and she's not. In Arizona, ads attacking Democratic gubernatorial candidate David Garcia have darkened his skin. The list goes on because Republican racism goes on and on and on. And no doubt the list will keep growing in the final weeks of the campaign and beyond. After all, we all saw how much racism didn't go away when we elected a black president. True. Wow. Let's look at this uh, Huffington Post running list of uh, racist get attacks mad. on candidates get ready to of get color. Mad, y'all. Yeah, this is uh, a running list of candidates of racist attacks on candidates of color. Some attacks are coded, others are clear. People of color are running for state and national office, and the country has responded with the most American of traditions by attacking them in very racist ways. Some attacks are coded, some are frankly stated. To keep track, we've begun a running list limited to attacks made on candidates of color by their opponents, by opposing political organizations, or by opposing campaign surrogates. We'll make exceptions, however, where a third party act against a candidate is so racist that it can't be ignored. For each candidate, we've graded the attacks and their subtlety by using a scale of one to five white hands in honor of the infamous <laughs> Jesse Holmes ad, five being the most explicit. Uh, here we go. We've got Brian Kelsey, husband, small business owner, seventh generation, Shelby Countonian. Uh, he's from here. He's one of us. That get the five white hands. Where are the white hands? I want to see the cute white hands. Oh, Gabby Salinas, Democratic candidate for state senate in Tennessee's 31st district. A mailer sent out by Salinas's opponent, Brian Kelsey, says his family is called Shelby County home for seven generations. He's from here. He's one of us. Similar phrasings pop up on two websites for Kelsey. Salinas is an immigrant woman of color. Score two white hands. Oh, here's the Ben Jealous one. Ben Jealous, Democrat candidate for the governor of Maryland. Jealous's opponent, incumbent Governor Larry Hogan, Republican, told a crowd, quote, I wish every county was like the Western Maryland counties. Unfortunately, they're not all quite as smart as you guys are. Western Maryland, which formally consists of Washington, Allegheny, and Garrett counties, is predominantly white. At the opening of his Baltimore campaign office, Hogan said, quote, don't let anybody tell you you have to vote a certain way because you happen to be black or you happen to live in Baltimore City. S some people have not been delivering for you for decades. Like you. Wow. <laughs> Score two white hands. 
uh, Sri Preston Kulkarni, Democratic candidate for Texas's 22nd congressional district. During a small campaign event, Representative U.S. Representative Pete Olson called Kulnari a, quote, liberal Indo-American who's a carpetbagger and wondered if his funding is, quote, coming from overseas. During the post-Civil War reconstruction, carpetbaggers were northerners who moved to the south to get wealthy or acquire political power. Today, it's seen as a slur for opportunistic candidates seeking election in areas where they lack a local connection. The Fort Bend County Republican Party has used a cartoonish version of Lord Ganesha in an ad urging Hindu Americans to voters to support the Republican Party. Would you worship a donkey or an elephant? The ad says. The choice is yours. The 22nd Congressional District includes a chunk of Fort Bend County. Two white hands up. Uh, Mandela Barnes, Democratic candidate for Lieutenant Governor of Wisconsin. Barnes' opponent, Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Kiefleisch, falsely accused him of kneeling during the national anthem while attending an opening of the Wisconsin State Fair. She didn't see him kneeling herself and denies that it happened. Two white hands. Deb Haaland, this is the other one we know about, Democratic candidate for New Mexico's first congressional district. Haaland's opponent, former Senator Representative Janice Arnold Jones, suggested in an interview that Haaland isn't really Native American because she didn't grow up on a reservation. Well, there's no doubt that her lineage is Laguna, but she's a military brat, just like I am. So, you know, it evokes images that she was raised on a reservation. She belongs to a Pueblo, said Arnold Jones during a segment of Fox News. Oh my Two white hands on. Oh, here we go. Sophia Wazer, Democratic candidate for the Senate, state Senate in New Hampshire's 17th district. During the primary, Wazer defeated 66-year-old incumbent Dick Patton. He lashed out after claiming that residents have expressed frustration with those who, quote, have just moved into the city, getting first dibs on public housing, and that older residents are concerned about being pushed out. A lot has been promised to minorities, he said. A lot of out of conquered people are getting everything. Patton also said that Wazir doesn't know the neighborhood. Three white hands up. This goes on and on. Let's go to some... The, That's a Stacey Abrams one. Oh, That's Stacey really, Abrams. Yeah. Oh, okay, this is Stacey Abrams, Democratic candidate for the governor of Georgia. I just donated Georgia. to her. A photoshopped image shows Abrams holding a sign that declares her a communist who supports the Muslim Brotherhood. She's standing next to a Palestinian-American activist, Linda Sarsour, who's wearing a hijab. The real photo was taken at a rally marking the one-year anniversary of the Women's March. And the sign they're holding reads simply, Stacey Abrams and Governor. So they changed it to Communist. Wow. An August ad from the Republican Governors Association attacks Abrams for dancing around the truth and shows a pair of tap dancing feet. Oh my God, is she black? The advertisement loops the dancing feet in the background while the narrator attacks Abrams' personal finances. The ad evokes minstrelsy in service of an argument that a black woman is simple-minded and irresponsible. Mm -hmm. I got three Jesse Helm hands. Ooh, we're getting the uh, Andy Kim, Democratic candidate for New Jersey's 3rd Congressional District. Uh, a mailer targeting Kim features a caption saying, there's something really fishy about Andy <sighs> Kim, along with a photo of a whole fish on ice. The <gasps> words real fishy and Andy Kim are rendered in chop suey font. God damn. Wee oui, wee oui, fishy. Oh my God, three white hands. Represent... Uh, Representative Raul Girjlabla I can't pronounce it, I'm sorry Girhava. Democratic incumbent for Arizona's 3rd Congressional District Girhava's opponent Nick Pearson said the longtime congressman is not a good example of a Mexican oh, not a good example of a Mexican-American and he's not even a good example of an American 
Pearson says his parents were Mexican citizens and added that he is as Mexican as Girl Hava. Three white hands. Sharice Davids, Democratic candidate for Kansas's third congressional district, in a Facebook message to Democratic official, a Kansas GOP official called Davids a quote radical socialist kickboxing lesbian Indian who will quote be sent back packing to the reservation. When Davids won the nomination, the Republican opponent, Representative Kevin Yoder, said she wasn't from around here and that she wants to force radical ideas on those of us who have dedicated our entire lives to this community and this state. He also said Davids doesn't know the state's values. Four white hands up. Jesus. Colin Allred. Democratic candidate for Texas's 32nd Congressional District. Allred's opponent, Representative Pete Sessions, Republican Texas, claims voting for Allred would ensure that Nancy, Republican Nancy Pelosi becomes Speaker of the House again with an agenda to raise taxes, give everyone free college, and legalize drugs. Yay! What's wrong with that? It would mean that they would, uh, that they would legalize, they call it decriminalize all Schedule One drugs, Sessions said. And what is that? That's everything from crack cocaine to heroin to methamphetamine. And they would decriminalize, in essence, legalize all drugs in America. And if you get out of your old kick serial decoder ring, you'll oh. find that crack cocaine is just another way of saying scary Negroes. <laughs> a digital ad pushing Sessions pro gun agenda depicts a darkened hand over the mouth of a white woman. Wow! Four, Four white Jesse hands. Yeah. David Garcia, Democratic candidate for the governor of Arizona. The Republican Governors Association runs an ad that shows photos of a white family with two young daughters. The mother says, as a mom with two daughters, nothing is more important than keeping them safe. And that's why I'm worried about David Garcia. She goes on to say the candidate's call to abolish ICE places her daughters in danger. Those brown hands. Another ad from the RGA calling out Garcia's policy stances encourages viewers to just imagine living under Garcia's leadership. It also darkens his skin and juxtaposes the image against white mothers, children, and doctors. Phobe, why is up? We're getting, it's getting harsher. Stephen Harsford, Democratic candidate for Nevada's 4th Congressional District, an ad from the National Republican Congressional Committee, attempts to connect Horsford to the South Sudanese terrorists. Images of rebels holding machine guns and wearing headscarves float across the screen before the ad's narration claims that R&R partners received almost a million dollars from South Sudan, Sudan, a corrupt regime whose forces raped and murdered civilians. While Horsford did serve as senior vice president for that lobbying firm, he did not lobby for South Sudan, something R&R confirmed in disclosed federal documents, and he focused on published re- public relations during his employment. The ad also calls Hart- Horsford sleazy and shady. God. Four white hands. Aaron Ford, Democratic candidate for Attorney General of Nevada. An ad from the Republican Attorney General's Association claims that past run-ins with the law make Ford unfit to be the state's top cop because he knows the law in all the wrong ways. Ford was arrested for public intoxica- intoxication and failing to appear in court twice and stealing tires when he was in his late teens and early 20s. The ad doesn't mention when the arrests happened, nor does it note the association supported Adam Laxick's candidacy four years ago. Laxick, the state's current attorney general, was arrested for a DUI in 97, and he's currently running for governor. Ugo O'Kere, Democratic candidate for alderman in Chicago's 40th ward. O'Kere, incumbent, O'Kere's opponent, incumbent alderman Pat O'Connor, said that 
fundraising flyer from O'Carey talked about building Nigerian power in Chicago and opposed to opposed to building community. For God's sake, if you want to talk about being part of a community and this is how you're going to raise your money, said O'Connor before he was drowned out from booing from the crowd. <laughs> in response, O'Carey noted that the flyer was aimed at building political power in the Nigerian-American community, something he said all communities deserve. In a statement soon released after, O'Carey said that he has lived in the community in which he's running since he was nine, and that O'Connor sought to divide me from my community and my physical home based on my skin and my heritage. Clearly, he's black, yeah. four white hands. <laughs> Maxi. Maxine Waters, Democratic incumbent for California's 43rd Congressional District. A conservative street artist smartified a Hollywood billboard advertising the latest Halloween movie by swapping out an image of Michael Myers for Waters. The artist chose a photo where Waters has her mouth open and by replacing Myers' head with hers, it looks as though Waters is wildly wielding a knife. The subtext here is the same as it has been for most conservative attacks on Waters. She's an out-of-control, scary, screeching, dangerous black woman. Four, four hands up black or white hands four white hands oh th- this is the one Omar Campa Najjar Democratic candidate for California's 50th congressional district Campa Najjar's opponent Republican representative Duncan, Duncan Hunter, Hunter released an attack ad calling him a security risk with connections to Islamic terrorism. The same ad accuses Campa Nahar of attempting to infiltrate Congress. It also claims that Campa Nahar changed his name so he sounds Hispanic and to erase his family's ties to terrorism. And the ad makes sure to note that his grandfather was part of the attack on Israeli athletes during the 1972 Olympics in Munich. Hunter later doubled down on this attack, claiming Camp Nahar would leak classified information on military operations if elected. Why would he compromise U.S. operations to protect his relatives, the Najars? Asked a letter, asks a letter paid for by Hunter's campaign and signed by three retired Marines. Five, Five white hands. Raised high. Five <laughs> white racist hands. Don't want brown people. You know, and it's that's in San Diego. It, in the growing, I mean, there are less, the, the population of like white cisgendered males is going as we, there's more brown people, but our government is supposed to be representative of the people. So we have brown people here, brown people, I mean, we exist, exist and should be represented by people in our. But the funny thing is they're not even talking about what they're going to do because the Republicans are dirty are, anyway. Are they don't have a platform to stand on. So what this is, they're using the fear, the scare tactics, the brown people are coming, the migrants, the caravan, the trans. It's yeah. Scary. The lesbians. The lesbians. Kickboxing lesbian lesbians. Kick, kickboxers. Antonio Delgado, Democratic candidate for New York's 19th Congressional District. Yeah. The Harvard lawyer's critics repeatedly bring up his decade-old past as a hip-hop artist to argue that he is unfit to represent the predominantly white district. A September ad from the National Republican Congressional Committee features clips of Delgado campaigning intertwined with darkened videos of the candidate rapping about sex, saying nigga, nigga and <laughs> with the A, I didn't do hard R, and critiquing white supremacy. Yay, critique white supremacy. His opponent, Faso, said Delgado's music is, quote, inconsistent with the views of people in the 19th District and America. And he said that Delgado's lyrics, which are over a decade old, paint an ugly and false picture of America. <laughs> 
A radio ad aired by the Congressional Leadership Fund, a super PAC that aims to elect Republicans to House of Representatives, refers to Delgado's music as the sonic blast of hateful rhetoric and anti-American views. I didn't know white supremacy was anti-American. Yeah. Gerald Benjamin, a friend of Faso's and the director of the Benjamin Center in the State of University at New York at New Paltz, asked in the New York Times in July, is a guy who makes a rap album the kind of guy who lives here in rural New York and reflects our lifestyle and our values? He added that people like us, people in rural New York, are not people who respond to this part of American culture. Five sure thing, boss. White oh. hands up. Oh, this is the bad one. This oh, is this is this one. is the big one. Andrew Gilliam, Democratic candidate for governor in Florida, Re- former Re- former Representative Don DeSantis, the GOP nominee for governor, told Florida voters not to monkey this up by electing Gilliam, Gilliam who's black man, and he made and it he's overt. he might be winning. He's five points ahead. So scary. We're just letting racism just be a part of our political. This is the Republican Party, so you know if you vote this way, you know who you are. Yeah. A neo-Nazi group in Idaho sent robocalls pretending to be Gillum. We Negroes done made mud huts while white folk waste a bunch of them time making their home out of wood in a stone, (laughs) says a man's voice in a stereotypically exaggerated dialect while drums and jungle (gasps) noises played in the background. The speaker also claimed that Gillum would pass a law allowing black people to escape arrest. If this Negro know for sure, he don't don't know nothing and that robocall is really fucked up it's i listen to it it's terrible i am astounded that this is happening the same white nationalist organization released another robocall that features a man pretending to be gilliam and speaking in an exaggerated dialect the voice says well hello there i is the negro andrew gilliam and i'll be asking you to make me governor of this here state of florida this is insane to me negro spirituals and monkey screeches can be heard in the background as the narrator suggests that using chicken feet as medicine would keep gillum's health care plan cheap the background music appears to come from amos and andy a once popular radio and television show that relied on racial stereotypes they're using old school mm. a gop official from orlando area posted a meme falsely claiming that gilliam will issue reparations for African enslavement. Yay! Repres- I know, I, why not? <laughs> that's, a, that's not a bad thing. Representative Matt Gates, stumping for DeSantis on October 6th, accused Gillum of having overseen a rise in crime during his time as mayor of Tallahassee. If you want to look at Andrew Gillum's strategy, look no further than Tallahassee, Gates said. In Tallahassee, they're in the top 10% they're in the top 10 in every major crime category in the state. They're the murder capital of Florida. I don't know whether to call him Andrew Gillum or Andrew Killam. In September, the Leon County Sheriff praised Gillum's record on crime. Under Mayor Andrew Gillum's leadership, violent crime is down 24% and overall crime is down 10% with crime at a five-year low in Tallahassee. Five hey, Jesse Helmhands, five. Uh, we have to end our show, but we could go on There's and so many. on and we- on. Here, oh, we'll do one last one. Oh, this is Shreveport. Stephen Jackson, Democratic candidate for mayor of Shreveport, Louisiana. An anonymous individual threatened to lynch Jackson. Okay, that's currently a Caddo Parish commissioner if he did not drop out of the race for the mayor of Shreveport. The letter, which Jackson said was placed in his home, includes a racist reimaging of the iconic 2008 poster promoting Barack Obama's presidential campaign. Jackson's face appears in a noose, and the word hope has been changed to rope. 
Below the image, it says, leave our statue and property alone and get out of the race. Nigger. Five big old white hands up. I, this makes me so. That's sick. I mean, I'm That's fucking sick. I'm almost like my, I'm tearing up. It's, 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 it's always been there. But that, the last one is so sick. Like lynching. This is in our politics. This is, this is campaigns. This is the Republican Party. This is Republican Party campaigning for Republicans. Using legitimate racism. And we're letting this happen. And we're allowing this to happen. This is the this is the way they want to win. I guess. I know. We can just I feel like we just have to sigh like Roman Reimer of 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 every Friday and that he I mean it's like oh the memes is gonna breathe. I just hope this time next week when we're back on the air oh my God. we'll be celebrating or having a little not celebrating, but having a sigh of relief. Yeah. Don't that don't these people are losers. Don't let them. It's time to take over the House and the Senate. We cannot let this like racist rhetoric continue. It affects it affects everybody. Even mm. those stupid ass crackers that want to vote this way. You want your health care right. You yeah. want you want you, you you don't want your taxes to go just to one yeah. percent. These people don't have a platform for you. No, exactly. They don't. So put your hate aside and just think about it. But. I, I don't know. I'm not that hateful, so I don't know how you can do that. Just, just go out and vote. vote. And uh, if you're a San Franciscan, please, uh, yes on Yes on C. C. Let's, um, let's see some change here. and Let's not see poop. Yeah, no more poop. And no more people in the streets. This has been the Altcast. Yay! Bye! Bye. Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. 
The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics got to hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all, classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff! You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal! Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8 that's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things.
and women's magazine for free on iTunes. Unfortunately, the only weird part is because there's so many comedy shows at this station, we're actually under the free comedy section. artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast, that is flat black plastic. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. You know it's two o'clock on a Wednesday, and it's time for some call me Tim. Yeah. Uh, This is Some Call Me Tim, the show where I interview a different person every week about what they believe in, whether that be God, God's conspiracy theory, cats, cats. 